Jesus, we worship you this morning. We come humbly yet boldly worshiping you, looking to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. We're so thankful, Jesus, for all that you've done for us and in accomplishing the work of redemption and purchasing our life by your own precious blood. You then gave us the authority of your name, that name that is above every name. That at that name of Jesus, every knee must bow in heaven and earth, below the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus, you are Lord, your master. And that acknowledgement brings glory to the Father because our hearts stir with faith to acknowledge what you've done for us. And we thank you that this is a day that you've made for us, your church, your people. It's not the day of coronavirus. It's the day of the church. It's the day for your spirit to reign in our hearts and our lives, to lead us and to guide us and to direct us. And so we thank you for purchasing our life. We thank you for giving us of your spirit and anointing us and empowering us to live through whatever comes and not just live through whatever comes, but be a light in the midst of dark days to possess the anointing of the Spirit of God to bring deliverance to those who've been held captive by whatever it is, fear, doubt, substance, to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring healing to those who are sick. I thank you for that anointing upon believers. I thank you to give us utterance today to speak as we ought to speak. So the oracles of God, give us ears to hear what you're saying that we might live and Navigate this day with eyes to see what you're doing, ears to hear what you're saying, that we wouldn't walk according to the news media, we wouldn't walk according to just what we see on the outside, but we'd walk according to your word by your spirit in the plan that you have laid out before us, that truly, supernaturally, your word will become a light unto our path and a, wor- a, 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 a lamp unto our feet, that we would allow you to order our steps. For you know the beginning from the end. We thank you that you're strengthening each one. In their inner man, by the Spirit of God, you're causing us to be established in the love of God and in faith that we might not just stand, but we might flourish in this day. And we declare by the Spirit of God that you move in every heart, every life, every home to do as only you can do to bring those things of restoration and increase, strength, health, prosperity. We thank you. And we give you the glory and the honor and the praise and the thanksgiving for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and by your spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. It is so good to be with you this morning. Uh, Why don't you just push a like and hearts and everything for our praise and worship team, all of our uh, uh, streaming uh, staff here that's working so hard, the technical people that are working so hard. We are so glad for them. You need to be glad for them. So all those hearts coming up, all those likes, those thumbs up coming up, uh, just let them know they can watch that later and see how... um, how much you appreciate them, because we appreciate them. We appreciate you. 
And so we're glad to be with you this morning and uh, glad that you had let us into your home. And so we're just so grateful. You all can go ahead and sit down. And uh, um, we're just so grateful. Hopefully you're, you're in a place where you've got your, your Bible and you have got your, uh, if you need a cup of coffee, awesome. You've got your paper, your pen, your device, whatever. I believe that we're in a time, we're in a season where God really truly wants to speak to us concerning the time that we live in. I believe that we're in a time where we can really begin to look at what God is doing more than the outside of what's going on and begin to reconcile where we were with where we are so that we can move into the future that God has planned for us. If we never take a time to look at where we were and say, how did we get to where we are and how are we going to get to the future, we might not be able to do that. It's a time that really, you know, I've heard some people say it's a time to reset. It's a, it's a time, we've talked about this a little bit in, in uh, marriages and, you know, for even for Tasha and I, it's been just a tremendous time to look at how we were moving through life and begin to reset uh, some things in our marriage so that we can move forward in a dynamic way. It's really a great time if you're in business to reset uh, uh, some things so that the future uh, really begins to look bright. If you've been struggling through this time, I just, I believe with you, you moms, if you've been homeschooling, I believe there's a grace that God has for your life to do homeschool. You know, if you're at home and, and you're working through, you, you know, being together in your marriage, I believe there's a grace. And grace is that empowerment from God that caused you to do what you couldn't do before. And so really, it's coming to a higher level. If you weren't called to be a teacher, I understand that. You know, some parents are frustrated, but I believe there's a grace right now. There's a grace to be the husband you need to be, a grace to be the wife that you need to be, right? There's a grace to go through. If there's, a, there's some financial situation, there's a grace from God. Don't just try to struggle through it. Let grace be something that empowers you beyond what you could do. Allow the grace of God, that divine influence of the Holy Spirit upon your heart to begin to reflect and move you from one degree of glory to the next as only the Spirit of God can do. Let your heart know that God favors you, that you're a son and a daughter of God. That no matter what's going on around the world, that you are covered in His presence. You're guarded under His wings because you belong to Him and He belongs to you. It's really a great day that we're living in, and obviously we know it's difficult times and challenging times. And really, I just want to ask you, uh, challenge you, ask you a question just to think about as we're going through the message today. What's the best thing that God has done for you in the last eight weeks? As this whole thing started eight weeks ago, stop for a moment and think, what has God been doing in my life, and what is the best thing? that God has done for me. I'm telling you, if you start to think, rather than what's not happening, you begin to think about what God is doing for you. I'm telling you what, there'll be things happen, there'll be praise that goes forth. God will inhabit those praises and begin to move us forward. I have another question I just want to ask you. Are you ready for the spread? I know in the world they're saying there's a concern that we open up, we begin to open up, and that'll increase the spread. But I'm just telling you, as we talked about being unmasked, are you ready to come out of your home and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? 
I believe God is working and there's a move of the Spirit of God that is upon us that will increase if the church will rise up. There's an anointing that will come upon us that as we come out, there will be an outbreak. There will be an outbreak of the gospel. There will be a breaking forth uh, by the anointing of God. We're going to have to just begin to see that and understand that. And so last week we started talking about the new normal or a new normal. And as we look at the Bible and we begin to look at Scripture and understand that this book is just so full of people going through situations, trouble, drought, things that the world uh, have happened in the world, and God intervenes in their life, and they all of a sudden have a new normal. God begins to work, and it's not as it was, but it, it is as God created it to be for them. And so as we look at this and we understand, it's a great time to build our faith and understand that no matter what's going on in the world, this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Right now is the time to build and to walk in and to, to really strengthen our faith in God. Jesus went to uh, uh, Peter and he said, listen, there is a time coming that the enemy is going to try to sift you. He's going to try to shake you. I don't know what this coronavirus might have done and all the news and the, the, the stay-at-home order and, and where you are with work, but the enemy's just trying to sift you. He's trying to shake things loose. But Jesus said, I'm going to pray that your faith does not fail you. The faith that you have for God to step in and intervene in your marriage and make it what he created it to be, in your family what he created it to be, in your finances, in your health, what God created it to be. Don't allow all of this shaking and shifting and changing to shake you up, but put yourself firm, be rooted, grounded, steadfast, immovable in your trust in God. When we put our trust in God like that, there will be something that takes place that will move us into the future. So I just want to launch today with Isaiah 43. I know a couple years ago, many people got this scripture for 2018, but I believe it's applicable to right now as I was praying this week. This just sprung up in my heart. He said this, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now. Everybody say this with me. Now. <laughs> a few people here. I know y'all at home. <laughs> you just have to be here to understand how funny that did sound. Um, now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Right? God's not going to keep it a secret. He's going to do a new thing. He wants us to get in on it. He said, I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God says, where it seemed like there is no way, he will make a way. Where it seems like it's just been dry and you haven't been able to get anything, he'll begin to bring rivers and anointing in your desert places. God's ready to do a new thing. You might have been in a desert place, not knowing where God was when this whole uh, thing started, but God's going to run a river of anointing in your desert. He's going to make a way where you thought, you know what, now because of this, I don't even know what I'm going to do. God will make Make a way where there is no way. It's his promise. It's his plan for us. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, starting in the first verse, in the Passion Translation, I like it. It says, as for us, we have all of the, these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. 
So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has been already marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze unto Jesus who birthed faith in us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. Come on. He's leading us forward into faith's perfection. I love that. His example is this, because his heart was so focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. For the joy of knowing that you and I would be his. Praise the Lord. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Come on, the new normal is a place where we begin to live in this faith and the path that he already marked out for us. It's an awesome place to live. And so we don't want to go backwards even as we come out and begin to loosen, go back to work. We don't want to go the same way that we came. You know, there's something about that testing time when we look through the Bible. In James, uh, the first chapter, it says, Rejoice when the trying of your faith comes. Why? Because the trying of your faith perfects your patience. The trying of your faith works and develops a fruit of the Spirit. Peter said this. He said, Though our faith be tested by fire, it comes out pure, genuine, more precious than gold. What's happening right now is God is doing a new thing. He's burning off the chaff. He's testing our faith. It's perfecting our patience. And when patience runs its course, we come out of this better than we went in. When faith tries our our, our faith, we find out it was more genuine than we thought it was as we hold on to it. And so as we look at how are we going to conduct our life? How are we going to go out and and go to work and see the people around us? How are we going to go out into our neighborhoods? How are we going to go out into the grocery stores? Are we just going to go and and let life develop us without even thinking about it like Romans chapter 12 says in the Message Bible? Or are we going to think about it? Are we going to be purposeful and intentional when we go out to see people in their condition? Are they still afraid? Are they afraid that they're going to get sick? What can we bring to them from the life that is within us? And so this morning, just very quickly, I want to share with you five more things, I guess it is, but really five things of how we live in this new normal. As our faith is tested as we come unto Jesus, we said this last week, Jesus declared this. He said, if you're laboring and you're heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. We see throughout the scripture that people have an encounter with Jesus and almost every time they have an encounter with Jesus, it creates a new normal for their life. And if we begin to see that Jesus has encountered us, if we ask ourselves that question from the beginning, what has God done for you? What, what amazing thing has God done for you during this time of stay at home, this time of lockdown? What has God done for you? 
If your answer is, I don't know, I don't know if he's done anything. We still have time to move up and come unto him. But to come in contact and have an encounter with Jesus is a life-changing event. And so the first thing I want to talk to you about, if you're going to really walk in a new normal that God has provided for you, you are going to have to, number one, know who really matters. Who really matters. In John, the eighth chapter, you can go back and read it, uh, this woman uh, who is caught in the very act of adultery, she's drug out by a bunch of Pharisees to Jesus in the temple. Her sin is exposed before Jesus. You know this. Jesus is kneeling down. He's writing in the sand. They continue to question him, trying to trap him. Really, they didn't care about her. They were trying to trap him. Finally, Jesus said, whichever one among you is without sin, you go ahead and cast the first stone. It says from the oldest to the last, they all begin to filter away and depart. And after they departed, Jesus said this to this woman. It said when Jesus, verse 10, it says, when Jesus had raised himself up and he saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You look at this story, you can look at it a number of different ways. I just want to show you today that this woman, she was in a place of darkness. She was in a place of shame and, 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 and sin. And really, in this moment of time, her sin caught up with her, or she was caught in her sin. And when she was caught in her sin, she was brought to Jesus. And Jesus, right after this, he just said, listen, I am the light of the world. And, and, and really, light exposes darkness. And so she was brought to Jesus after she was caught in her sin. And when she was brought to Jesus after being caught in her sin, he said, look up and see who really matters. Too often when we think about a new normal, we start thinking about who, maybe sometimes, well, who is judging me and who has judged me and how can I move forward with God? Because, you know, it's hard to go back to church and move forward because people in the church have judged me and people have said these things about me. But really, Jesus said, listen, there's nobody out here who matters. And I've come to bring forgiveness of your sin. And so now what really matters is will you forgive yourself? And in that forgiving yourself and releasing yourself, you release yourself from all condemnation. If you're going to move forward in a new normal that God has provided for you, you're going to have to look up. And it doesn't matter who's been around you, accusing you, making note of what you're doing and how you feel about that. But you have to look at Jesus. Jesus is the one that matters. And Jesus said, I paid the price for you to justify you, not to condemn you. And if you'll go ahead and receive that justification, condemnation will be broken. And you can move into a new normal, free from the guilt and the shame that your mistakes have tried to hold you in. It's a powerful place to live. Number two, you have to answer the right question. You have to answer the right question. Too often, 
We're answering questions that God's not asking. We're answering questions that other people don't ask. In John, the fifth chapter, again, the fifth verse, I'm, I'm just reading a couple verses, but you can read it and get the background. When you first start the, the, the fifth chapter, it talks about this pool of Bethesda that was really a place where the angel came and troubled the water. And when the angel came and troubled the water, whoever got to the water first got healed. And Jesus is walking by the pool of Bethesda. In verse 5, it says this. It says, now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath day. Now, thank God, this man, he didn't know what the answer to the question was. But many times we're hindered because we don't answer the question. See, other people may have asked this guy over the 38 years, why are you still here? Why can't you get in the water? What's your situation? Some people might have come up and told him, listen, in your condition, you'll never get in the water first. He had heard all kinds of things that created all kinds of questions, but Jesus asked one question, do you want to be made well? There should be a very simple answer to that, yes. Many times we say, yes, yes, my answer is yes, but then we continue on with why we can't be made well. But in the face of Jesus, it's just yes. Jesus was the master of asking questions. And you know, when people had the immediate right answer to the question, something supernatural happened. He asked blind Bartimaeus, we said this last week, he asked blind Bartimaeus, what do you want from me? And blind Bartimaeus knew the answer to that question. I want to receive my sight. And Jesus said, you answered the question right. As your faith is, so be it unto you. The woman with the issue of blood, Jesus said, who touched me? And some people had no idea what the answer to the question was, but that woman, I touched you. And she was able to tell him the whole process that took place. But here, this man didn't really understand the question because he had been told, I don't think I'll ever get in. I don't think I'll ever be changed. I don't think I'll ever have a new normal. But when Jesus says, do you want a new normal? I'm just telling you the answer is not, well, this has happened to me in the past. People have said this in the past. Other circumstances have never allowed me to change because of where I live, what I've walked in, because of who my family is. But Jesus isn't asking all that. He's asking, do you want a change? And if we have the right answer and we say, yes, I want a change. I want healing. I want health. I want deliverance. I want freedom. Jesus has the anointing to make you well. If Jesus could take a man who didn't know exactly how to answer the question and have compassion on him and tell him to take up his bed and walk and totally heal him, just think what he can do when you answer the question right. You need to know who really matters to walk in your new normal. You need to answer the right question. Number three, you need to leave old things behind. You need to leave old things behind. 
that woman that he forgave, he said this, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. This gentleman right here, he went out and People said, what are you doing? Healed. Who healed you? How did you get in this condition? He said, I don't remember. Jesus came back to him and said, you're doing well right now, but go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying to this woman, wait a minute, don't go back to that house where they caught you in the act of adultery. Don't go back there. Don't go by there. Take a different route because your life is now new. He's telling this man, don't go back to the pool. Don't go back over to that pool now in your last condition. Don't go back there. Find a different way. We just understand this from those people who minister and bring freedom to to different people who are in different addictions. They say, listen, you have to change your playmates. You have to change your playgrounds. You can't keep going back to the same places and have a different result. If you're going to walk in a new normal, you can't go backwards. I love this old hymn. You know, when I was a teenager, I I went to a church, and uh, really it it changed my life, the whole aspect of that changed my life. But we go to Sunday night. Some of you may have grown up in a church like this, but every Sunday night we'd we'd gather around the altar. And 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 the song, when the service was over and they began to sing, this was the song. But listen, this is something very important to understand in the day that we're in, if we're going to have a new normal that's going to be powerful, and it's called I Surrender All. It was written in 1896, but how applicable it is today if we're going to walk in the new normal. It says this, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence daily I will live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. All to Jesus I surrender. Make me, Savior, holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit, truly know that thou art mine. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and power. Let thy blessing fall on me. I surrender all, I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. Now I feel the sacred flame. Oh, the joy of full salvation. Glory, glory to his name. Wow. Come on, we've left that behind as an old hymn, but I believe it's appropriate today. I surrender All of the past things, I surrender. Just, if I'm going to walk in a new thing, I surrender to you, Jesus. And it comes down to feeling the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit and walking in the glory of God as a new normal. 
So we want to know who really matters so we can walk in a new normal. We have to answer the right question. We want to leave old things behind. We want to surrender all. The fourth thing that you want to know about this, because these encounters that we've talked about create a new normal. The encounter with Jesus, the surrender to him, brought healing and it brought hope and help. As we looked at last week, that mad man of the Gadarenes, Jesus said, you stay here and tell people what I have done for you. If we're going to walk in a new normal and see tremendous things that God wants to show us, we're going to have to tell our story. You're going to have to tell your story. Testimony endures forever. Listen, we're reading the stories. When it says we're so, in Hebrews chapter 12, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. He's not just saying they're watching us going, woohoo. No, they bear witness of the faithfulness of God. They have a story to tell. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, we read portions of their story, and we can go back into the Old Testament and begin to read their story. Why? Because their story is important. Their new normal helps us to understand that when God asks me to step into a new normal, God will be right there, ever faithful, to perform that which he promised me. And God's moving you forward into something new, and he's made promises, and he plans on fulfilling them and bringing them into your life. In John chapter 4, again, I'm kind of telling this story, read it all, but I'm condensing some things. But you know it, Jesus is sitting, his disciples go into town to find something to eat. The woman comes to the well, and he has this discussion with this woman at the well who shouldn't be talking to him, he shouldn't be talking to her, and he just tells her about eternal life. That if she would drink from the well that he had to offer, she would never ever thirst again. And once he tells her who he is, he explains to her who she is, and begins to change her life. And after Jesus spoke to her, in verse 28, it says, The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come see the man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She went into town and she told her story. She said, I've come in contact with something extraordinary. I've come in contact with the Christ, the Savior of the world. You all got to see this. My story of coming in contact with him is great. Hey, listen, if you've had an encounter with Jesus, you have a story. And your story is important. I'm about to tell you why. Your story is important, not just... So you can have a story, but your story, my story, is important because our story declares of Jesus, and if we handle it correctly, it gives a person who has no story an opportunity to have a story. Listen to this. She took those men and she told them, you got to come and see this. Could he be the Christ? And listen to what they said. In verse 39, it says, And many of the Samaritans of that day believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified he told me all that he had. Because she told her story, people came to Jesus to see what he would do for them. 
But listen to this. I love this. In verse 42, see, her story started it, but it came, it didn't, it didn't end with her story. In verse 42, it says, And then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because you said, but because we ourselves have heard and we know. Because she testified of Jesus and her story and the newness that Jesus had brought into her life. She gave an opportunity to that city to know him and have their own story. Come on, at this time that we've been and stay at home, we've been a little bit more isolated. If we've been spending time with Jesus, if we've been looking at who really matters If we've been answering the questions, yes, I want a deeper relationship with you. Yes, I want my healing. Yes, I want that. Not with, I want it, but I want to move forward. I want you to touch my life. As God begins to move, it creates a testimony, a story that we have. But we don't want to hold our story at our own home. We want to go out from this place and begin to tell what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done for me. We want to go out with rejoicing so people say, look what God has done for them. And we say, yes, look at what the Lord has done for me. Not for pride's sake, not for our story, but to give them an opportunity to have their own story. Say, I don't know if I can do that. Number five, you can receive power to give someone their own story. Jesus had that intention. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and then in the ends of the earth. He said, listen, wait here. I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit to be a witness, not just to tell your story, but to confirm your story with signs following He said, I want you to take your story out and give a testimony with evidence that God has done something significant in your life and that he wants to do something significant in the life of someone else. You have received a relationship with God and he wants you to testify and tell them you can have a relationship with God. Whatever you receive from God, he didn't just do it for you to have a story, but he did it and wants to do something through you to give someone else a story about Jesus Christ. Mark, the 16th chapter, Jesus said to them, he said, uh, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow them that believe. And he goes through those signs, and, and they got excited about that. And in verse 20, it says, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through accompanying signs. God wants to give you a story. He wants to work through your story to give a story to someone else. Our new normal is to be active. Our new normal is to really step into a place where it's not just about our story, but it's about how our story influences and affects someone else's life and gives them a story. I believe that God wants to do something great as we begin to loosen restrictions and come out. God wants to do something through the church. He wants to set us in a position for an outpouring. He wants to set us in a position to be influential in people's lives. 
He wants us to walk in the fullness of the salvation, the faith that he's prepared for us. If you're with us this morning, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Man, it's the beginning of a tremendous story of what God will do. A great adventure with God. With story after story about how God moves and creates a new normal and a newness of life. If you're watching, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You say, you know what? I want a new normal. I want my own story of my relationship with Jesus Christ. You begin with this encounter with him called salvation. He said, if you'll confess me as Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you're here and you say, you know what? I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to start a new story with him. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, I come to you this morning and I'm ready to surrender all, to set my past behind and allow you to lead me into a new future. Jesus, I confess you as Lord of my life. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead so that I could be forgiven and be made righteous. I receive salvation right now and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the first time,